everyone, and welcome to the Rumcast. My name is John Gulla, and co-hosting with me is Mr. Will Hookinga, and this is a podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. On today's episode, we have a feature interview with Chris Hassan Franke, owner of the Green Zone Bar in Washington, D.C., and since he just got back from an epic tour of rum events in Europe, we get to ask him a bunch of questions about his experiences and get the skinny on everything he saw and tasted while there. But before we get to that, Will, it's pretty much the holiday season at this point. And you know what that means. It's about time to start doing some reflecting on the rums we've had throughout the year while not fully closing the door to rums that we've uh-huh. yet to try for the rest of the year. But, Agreed. you know, we do our annual end of year kind of best, like our favorite rums of the year sort of. And I, I don't know, have you started kind of thinking about that list mentally yet? Or, or are you kind of like, you know, just saving it till after Thanksgiving? Yeah, well, so last time, last year, it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. And I remember kind of having to take a few days nearby when we did it to really reflect and make yeah, sure I seems, had the right You seem super unprepared, so. <laughs> no, that's not I'm true. just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, but this year, I wanted to start a little bit earlier. So yes, I've already started to kind of narrow a list of some of the best things that I've had this year, and maybe thinking about how they fit into the you know predetermined categories that we had kind of set up years ago, and assuming that we're going to do the same categories. We haven't even discussed that yet, but yeah, you know, yeah. It's, so it's, I've been doing a little. It's shifted my habits throughout the year not necessarily in what i drink but i find myself i always almost always try to take a photo of a rum when i try it just so i have some sort of memory and and it's you know obviously if something is very good or very bad i i will probably remember it but i I don't know the older i get just the, the harder it is for me to just recall something just you know with no documentation around it. So trying to take more photos, trying to scribble down a few more little notes and things like that. I'm never going to be someone who is super organized and on top of everything and have, (laughs) you know, very detailed notes on every single thing I consume. That's not going to be me. But I I am trying to get better in, in, in small ways year by year. Yeah, I think like you pointed out, the the phone and, you know, having the ability to kind of make a quick note and a picture on something is very helpful. I do the same thing actually nowadays because we do get introduced to a lot of different things. And sometimes it is hard to remember if you really don't at least write something down. Like you said, maybe there's ones that do stick out naturally. Right. But, uh, you know, th- there's there's ones that sometimes they're surprisingly good. But and, and I don't mean when I say forgettable, I don't mean they're forgettable in what it is. It's just in the context of whatever maybe you tried five at that day or we're at an event where you try it a lot and you know it's hard to keep up with them all but but yeah I mean I'm excited for it I'm excited as we're kind of working in towards the holiday season now we have a lot of cool stuff lined up and that's always one of my favorite things of the year that we do so I'm I'm definitely uh, prepping for it well one thing that I did not need to take a photo of although maybe I did but I, (laughs) I didn't need even if I did I didn't need to in order to remember it is the Hamden 8 Marks collection. And I'll I'll preface this by saying I did not have a chance to taste through it yet. But I did for the... Obviously, I think us and many of our listeners probably have seen the photos of the new Hamden 8 Marks collection, which is a very talked about unique release uh, that I know uh, at least has hit the United States already. I'm I'm not sure what the status is in in other parts of the world, but what it is, is it's a collection, almost like a tasting kit of all eight 
marks that mm-hmm. Ha- mm-hmm. eight seven yeah eight eight marks i think it's collection. eight yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's in the title will um <laughs> All the eight marks. I was being kind, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That Hamden produces. So everything from OWH all the way, you know, to LROK, HLCF, all the way up to DOK and the C Diamond H's and and all that stuff. So, and they're in 200, I believe 200 milliliter bottles. It comes in a a, a black box. And I'd seen the the pictures of it online. I've been like, that looks really cool. It looks like they really kind of nailed the presentation i love the size of bottles i I really like that it wasn't just little two ounce samples or something but also at the same time it's not like it was full bottles or even half bottles i think would be that you know that would really up the price a lot and right make it more prohibitive and i think in general most people we've talked to i know it, it came up on our latest patreon happy hour several people had bought it already and most people were getting it under 150 dollars, so you know somewhere in the 130 to 140 range which yeah. is honestly less expensive than i thought it was going to be even though it, at the end of the day it is eight unaged rums right. but you know you factor in the packaging you factor in the exclusivity and everything i was just honestly expecting it to be over 200 dollars, but so that was kind of a pleasant surprise but i will yeah. say Already thinking it was, it looked cool. Seeing it in person took it to another level. I, I don't think I was prepared hmm. for the impressiveness of maybe the sheer size of it. Like yeah. I, I went to Chopper, a great bar here in, in Nashville, and Max Carlin, who, who who runs the bar there, he had, had gotten one of the sets, and he was like, "Oh, do you want to check it out?" I said, "Of course." So he brings it out, and he walks out, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is like..." Hampton the game almost like it looks like a big <laughs> heavy it's almost like in Jumanji you know the movie where they they the, in the Robin Williams version from the 90s yeah. where they, they get the set and it's like this you know carved big wooden yeah. yeah it's this big board and it just looks very substantial that's kind of the vibe I got when 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 he brought this out and yeah. so first of all it was, it was way bigger in size than I was expecting it to be and then you know you open it up and it's got these sheets that kind of lay out the specifications for the marks and mm-hmm. the the black glass bottles the black box the gold lettering it's just it, I, I know you as a packaging geek mm-hmm. would really appreciate it and I know we've had our many passionate disagreements over packaging but I, I think once you see this you will agree with me that it is quite impressive in person yeah I mean like you said I've seen it online and I've been envious of uh, all the people who already have it because I, I don't and kind of the closest place that has it I think is a county up from where I'm at so I haven't had a chance yet but I've heard really glowing reviews on it and like you said what I've seen of the packaging it looks so well put together and well thought out so it's not just like a slapdash like hey you guys want to taste this stuff here you go it really was something that presents the distillery and the products that they're making in such a way as an exploration right which is really really fascinating so you know I think kudos to them for like you said the packaging being able to do this in the United States I'm actually really pleased with the distribution like it seems like there's enough out there to get into people's hands and people aren't fighting over it yeah like you said that's my perception at least maybe that's wrong but it seems to me like people are are getting their hands on it at a reasonable price which is great I've seen it for 199 as high as 199 by the way so that's kind of the ceiling on it but I I do I have seen others that 149 ish seems to be the median yeah yeah I, I do think there will probably be that price is gonna vary by location mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah I, I was hearing 
rumblings from from a friend in town that a store that is likely to get it may be charging significantly higher here, which I was disappointed mm. to hear. Yeah. I was hearing somewhere maybe the $300 territory. And that's wow. the kind of thing that I would love to avoid with this type of release, exactly. you know, exactly being able to get it to people at a, a much closer to wholesale price. And I know everyone has to make some money, but it, it, it's, it's nice to see at least in other places that it's coming out at a reasonable price. You know, I think under a hundred, like right there around 150 and below, I think is the sweet spot for, for that product in terms of being able to feel really good about, you know, getting your hands on yeah. it as a as a rum lover who isn't the type of person who is just going to automatically pay whatever the price is for whatever cool limited mm-hmm. thing is coming out. You know, right? No, I, I agree totally. And I, I and once again, we go to this point pretty often, but we don't want to bourbonize this, yeah. right? And it, it seems to me like right now there's a want for this in the community, in the rum enthusiast community, but there's also proportionate amount, I guess you would say, that's out there that's not driving up a secondary market ridiculous. Now, if one of these is held on to somehow and somebody wants to use it as an investment, I, I don't personally like that strategy. It's not, you know, I want people to drink this and I want people to enjoy it. But I could see 10 years from now, somebody pulls this out and it's going to be a lot more valuable. Not not ridiculous, by the way. So I don't, I don't want to incentivize it either. But, you know, there's that. But my hope is, Will, that this is a kickstart for more distilleries doing this and seeing that there is a want and a need for it. And even hopefully I've heard, I I don't know where I heard this, but I heard that there's another version coming out of the Hamden Marks. That is an maybe aged an aged version. version? Yes, okay. I heard it was y- young aged or lightly aged, as we've said mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So I, I, again, I, this is really rumor, uncon- unconfirmed. But I heard it was like four years type of thing that it would be aged, and that those were going to be released. I'm not sure if they'll be released in the U.S. and Europe, or if it's Europe exclusive or something like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm hoping that again, this is going to be something that people will see value in and continue to do at a reasonable price. I also thought it was it's been cool to hear how different people are approaching going through the set. I know we had a couple mm, people mm-hmm. on our happy hour who are taking different approaches. I remember one one person discuss I, I can't I can't remember exactly who it was, but one person was saying they were taking the approach of just spending you know some time individually with each one as opposed to tasting them all at once, and then after they'd gone through them individually then going back and doing, you know, like an all eight marks at one time tasting, which I... The amount of restraint for that (laughs) must be, yeah. But And and I was talking with Max at Chopper, but I was like, so what are you going to, you know, how are you going to use this in the bar? Because obviously, I I think he he may have gotten more than one set, but, you know, it's ultimately at the end of the day, not that much rum for that context. And I, I think a flight is the natural thing. Yeah. You know, people order, a, I don't know if you would do like half ounce pours for, for each of them, but that's, that's obviously one approach. Another one that I was advocating for, which I think is, would be really cool, but also would probably like not result in the most amount of people being able to taste it in a bar setting would be the Hampton all eight marks daiquiri. Right. And I'm not just talking about oh doing, <laughs> I mean, you could take the approach of doing equal parts of the eight marks, right? Yeah. But I think the approach that I would take would be more to think about it from like a balanced blend perspective, because my hunch is if you just did equal parts, all eight marks, it's going to taste a heck of a lot like the final 
two to three highest ester marks and not very much like the two to three lowest ester marks you know the dok and the c diamond mm-hmm. h are really going to be mm-hmm. kind of taken over the daiquiri so I'd, I'd love to see a bartender get creative in creating that ideal blend where honestly maybe the dok part is just like a spritz over the daiquiri or something like that as opposed to being a big part of the blend but i, I think that would be a fascinating experiment to do where if you had to put all eight of these rums in the daiquiri what kind of proportions would you use and what would that look like I, I, it makes me wonder if 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 the guys over there at ena shear have ever done an eight mark blend of hamden rums you know and what that would look like it's just a yeah. interesting thought experiment yeah. Oops, all the marks. <laughs> Oops, all the marks. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of feel like I, I get where you're coming from with that. But at the same time, I'm like, is that really the purpose of this? I guess from from one perspective, yeah, I guess I could see where you're going. And if, if I were a bartender or a bar owner or either, then I could say, well, what is the mix that I want to make for something? And then I could say, hey, this is the, the, the blend that I want. This is what works for me, and can you guys produce that? I'm not saying they're going to listen to you know any one person, but if there is kind of a, a movement, if you will, if bartenders around you know are getting and hey, try this, do you know two thirds of this one and, and this mark and one third of this mark or whatever it is that they experiment with, that could be really cool as a kind of a movement to say we've discovered a blend that really works well in this drink, right. and we would love to see this in a single bottle in a seven a 700 milliliter. So that would yeah. be kind of cool. But yeah, my thought was more of people just trying to get their heads around all the marks and see what the the realistic taste differences are between them. For and sure. And how that then informs what they do with them later on. And yeah. I think the the beauty of having 200 milliliter bottles is that you have enough to right. do both. You know, you right. can taste through all of them multiple times and still have enough if you do want to do an ultimate eight mark yeah. daiquiri blend. But I'm, I'm just really intrigued by the challenge of could you... Like, like, yes, it's fun just as kind of like a fuck it idea to mix them all together. But also, it like, can you pull off using all eight of them in a way where the sum really is greater than the the the, the total is greater than the sum of the parts where each mark is playing a role beyond yeah. just being like, this is a fun experiment to put yeah. them all in all eight in at once. Like, or do you reach a point of diminishing returns where it's just right. like, it's just kind of cool to do it for the sake of putting all the marks in, but ultimately it doesn't really accomplish that much to use them all at once. So yeah. it, it's just yeah. kind of an interesting challenge. I think from a blending perspective, I'd be, I'd be fascinated to see how that plays out. It, you know, who's the right person for the job for this? Who is that? It's Chris Hassan Franke, who we <laughs> exactly. interviewed. Yes. I'm sure many people are going to try to do this, but Chris famously took all those Foursquare blends and blended them into one when he was there in Barbados. I don't know if you remember we talked about that story. That's so right. it feels That's like right. he would be a person that might take that challenge. So Maybe uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a good segue into our interview. This was a really fun. I know you got to go to the Green Zone recently. I still haven't been there. And you yeah. came away very impressed, not, not only with the drinks and the the rum selection available but with the food as well you were raving the about environment weeks, the environment yeah. everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you mentioned that chris had just gotten back i think from going to uk rum fest to going to whiskey live paris which yes has whiskey in the name but also has a lot of cool rum stuff going on at it and a festival in 
Amsterdam, which yeah. I'm struggling to recall the name of right now. But say is in the name, but now I can't remember. It's either. like it, I think it translates to like "run by the sea" or something like that, something yeah. to that effect. But yeah. anyway, you and I have long talked about UK Rum Fest as being a bucket list Rum Fest item for mm-hmm. us, and also beyond that, we saw a number of photos of very interesting new rums that were kind of being debuted there. We saw a high ester blend from El Dorado. We saw the new uh, Worthy Park Overproof, which we discussed with Zan Kong on on the previous episode. And so we were like, oh man, it would be cool just to get kind of like an on the ground report from UK Rum Fest, from all the other festivals. What did you see that was cool? For those who haven't been, how does it compare to rum festivals in other parts of the world? What's unique about it? All that kind of stuff. So we got to dig into all of that with Chris and also talk a little bit about, you know, his philosophy as a bar owner and a a new exciting bar concept that he's working on Mm -hmm. in D.C. as well, which somehow is going to be even more rum focused <laughs> than, yeah. than the green zone which which you know doesn't have rum in the name or rum in the description or anything it's it's positioned as a, mi- a middle eastern bar and it just so happens to that the owner is obsessed with rum and stocked it with tons of rum and features it in a lot of ways but it, it's right. it's not just a 100 rum bar and this new concept is going to be so uh really great conversation and I'm, I'm excited for people to hear it yeah i was excited when he wanted to spill the beans as he put it or spill a few beans about that new concept drop uh, a I couple know, of beans yeah. yeah yeah some people uh there maybe in dc that are in the dc rum rebels group uh, already knew but i don't think a lot of people outside of that did so make sure to stick around for for near the end of the interview when we talk about that too yep well, let's just go ahead and go over to the interview All right, we're here with owner of the Green Zone Bar in D.C., the Adams Morgan neighborhood, D.C., uh, Chris Hassan Franke. Chris, I, I remember when I first met you back in 2020 at the Miami Rum Congress. This is right before the start of the pandemic, and you definitely stuck out to me because I remember you having a huge custom-made, I think, four-square rum like baseball hat. And you had the Save Barbados rum shirt on. And I even remember, maybe I'm misremembering, you can tell me, a a seal of disapproval shirt as well with (laughs) Richard's face on it. Um, I know he was here for that also. He was there at the event. Did you, did he get to see it? Like, what was his reaction to all that? Does he sell those? I think, no, no, I think you're right. I think when I, the the day I met you, because it was a two day thing. And the day I met you, I was wearing the seal of disapproval t-shirt yes. because I was hanging out at the Spiribam, like Spiribam and Mobo are right next to each other. And you were sort of like introducing yourself to everybody saying you had a rum cast. And I'm like, what is this? Um, <laughs> Unabashedly so. I'm like, yes, everyone. That would have been like cast. the first month, the or like one of the first two months of the show. Yeah, probably. it was early. Yeah. So yeah, the seal of disapproval T-shirt I got from Robin Wynn from Toronto, who's a massive Foursquare fan and makes lots of custom Richard Seal themed <laughs> shirts, mostly shirts, <laughs> but a few a few T-shirts. He has one of like Richard in a pose like like that, and it just says single blended fun. <laughs> There's another one of like very young Richard, and it says single blended '90s. Uh, <laughs> But this one apparently was a design that came from Martin Kate, and Martin sent it to oh, Martin wow. sent it to Robin, and Robin sent it to me. That's that's great. amazing. I wasn't aware of this whole underground Richard Seal T-shirt scene out there. Well, if you're following the footage from the Barbados Rum Experience, which is happening right now, 
Robin made a set of tiki shirts with Richard's face on them, distributed them to a whole bunch of his Toronto colleagues who were there, as well as Meredith Olszewski <laughs> and a few other people, and got a little plushie of Richard with Richard's face. I saw that, yeah. Ugly. Yeah, so Robin goes goes really deep into it. Amazing. What? What is his reaction to that stuff? Is, does he acknowledge it? Does he? he? He definitely acknowledges it. I mean, I think it's sort of bemused. I think. I think with the the squad of, of Richard's of his own face tiki shirts and the doll, he was he thought found it a bit more funny. He actually whacked Meredith with the doll, from what I saw in the video. <laughs> I bet he. I bet he uh, sleeps in all the t shirts, you know, at home. <laughs> He's got the full collection. Well, you know, if you've ever if you've ever uh, went on any of his like. COVID era Zoom seminars, you know, you saw uh, at home Richard with the cigar and the, the cigar. Tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're, I, we're here to talk about UK Rum Fest, which you just got yeah. back from recently. But before we get to that, I wanted to start with uh, a little bit about the Green Zone. Sure. So uh, I know the Green Zone, you started that as a pop-up bar and it stayed that way for a while, but then it got its permanent home and it's doing great. When I was there recently, I was impressed in many ways, including how many people were there. I mean, it was super popular. So I wanted to maybe start us off by letting you tell us a bit about the Green Zone, what your vision for it was when you began, and maybe also how things kind of changed and transitioned from that pop-up to what it is now. Yeah, so the Green Zone started as a pop-up in 2014. I mean, it literally started as an illegal speakeasy in my apartment. Um, <laughs> although the concept wasn't named and like hadn't really fully formed yet. And I was lying in bed one night, like, why do people drink Black Russians and White Russians? They're such shitty drinks. Like, why don't I make a drink that tastes like Turkish coffee? Mm-hmm. And that was like the light bulb moment. So my own background is that I'm half Iraqi and like I have a lot of ties to Iraq and other countries in the Middle East, like Lebanon and Turkey. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with that heritage and those flavors and all that. I'm traveling to the region. And it was like the light bulb moment. Like nobody's ever done Middle Eastern flavored cocktails before. Mm. So slowly at the like at home speakeasy, I started to introduce the very first Green Zone cocktail was my Turkish coffee cocktail. And I started to do a few more like the Saz Iraq. Um, That's a cool name. Yeah. Still on the menu. And then it became time to like take it permanent. So, you know, it, it was a basically a four year story of fake it till you make it. And then four years later in 2018, opened up the, the permanent place in Adams Morgan. And the whole point initially was to like, that, you know, show, show off the flavors and the culture of the Middle East and like, you know, in a way that had never been done before. Yeah. Um, as the bar became successful, it was like, oh, I can indulge in my hobby of all these crazy rums. <laughs> so, so you married the two like you're like Oppenheimer with Arizona yeah. and physics well, you know, <laughs> I, hate, I hate to say this on a rum podcast but vodka does pay the bills uh, yeah well, I've heard that before yeah yeah drink does have vodka in it although we'll make it with rum if you want and with gin if you want or really anything but you know that's like oh now I can you know build new shelves and buy stuff from Europe and get first access to like limited Mount Gay releases and Foursquare releases and Amazon and other stuff. And yeah. Um, so as I say, now we're sort of, I call it a rum bar masquerading as a Middle Eastern place. <laughs> nice. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, the first ever of that. I think yeah. so. Well, I mean, as I say, like, you know, the word sugar came into European languages via Arabic. So what more That's do you want? That's true. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, to say nothing about distillation and the yeah. word alcohol. Right. Right. So there you go. 
Yeah, and it really does come through, by the way. So, you know, there's a lot of times where you have a bar with kind of a pasted-on theme or something like that. But no, this is from the ground up. If Everything to do the Middle Eastern, the menu. I've talked about the food before. It was a, a really great experience and something unlike anything that I've personally ever had. I don't want to, you know, there's a lot of different experiences that people have had. But for me, it was really uh, awesome to be able to experience all the rums we love, but at the same time have this other uh, experience with the culture and the food and the environment was really fun. Yeah. And then moreover, I mean, you had some of the rum cocktails we have, right? You didn't. Yes. You weren't just having rum. So you see. The Desert some, Falcon. Right. Remember, so right? The, yeah. That's a jungle bird. But it's a jungle bird like three steps removed because other than the Campari, pineapple and rum, like everything else in there is some Middle Eastern ingredient. Cool. Wow. And you got John to like a Campari drink. That's yeah, uh, that. oh, yeah, that's a milestone. Probably. Yeah. The best Campari drink I've had so far. Oh, you will. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll clue you in. There are some good Campari alternatives. Oh, please do. Yeah. Shit. I had one really recently. Oh, Mulasano bitter. So Mulasano, which is also imported by Lamazana Velier. So, you know, if you want to try some, hit up Jan Warren. Uh, Mm. Mulasano bitter makes a good, a good jungle bird, a good Campari. So it's not quite as intensely bitter, but it's still red and it's still got that bitterness. It's not as, it's not as sweetness, not as bitter. So it's a bit lighter. And then also Jafar who are imported by the same company that imports Worthy Park. Jafar makes a non-alcoholic red bitter. Interesting. Which hmm. So we did a pop-up in Miami Rum Fest last year, in 2022, and uh, Jafar and Worthy Park were the sponsors. And so we use a non-alcoholic com- like Campari analog in the, in the cocktail. So that was kind of cool. So actually, I haven't got a bottle for the bar yet, but I want to just in case somebody wants a, you know, non-alcoholic Garibaldi or something. We, we have another... Sidetracked, Garibaldi is a, a cocktail with Campari and orange juice, like fresh squeezed orange juice. Mm-hmm. We have a bitter red Italian non-alcoholic soda called Stappy, which tastes like a bottled Campari and soda. So we just mix that with yeah, that sounds awesome. something like that. Yeah, yeah. but the, the, the Jafar stuff would be good too. Yeah, so that's the green zone, I guess. Uh, I do. I want to circle back, and we we have some you know bar related questions and everything. But before we do that, we we want to get into your recent travels to sure. you you hit up UK Rum Fest, which John and I we we were just answering a bunch of listener questions, and right. one of them was talking about bucket list rum events, and that's one that's at the top of both of our lists. And we were also just you know complaining to zan kong on the last episode about showing off the new worthy park overproof debuting that across the pond over there you know although he did say the bottles may be getting to the u.s sooner than than overseas so we do have that but i'll get to worthy park in a second (laughs) yeah 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 we'll we'll definitely get to that but just for those who haven't had the chance to be there and your trip also spanned more than just uk rum fest you went to some other rum festivals so we want to get into that as well but just set the scene for someone who's never been there you arrive what like what is the setup like is there anything that makes it different or stand out from other rum events that you've been to what's it kind of you know what's the setup like what's the vibe so i would say i mean first of all uk rum fest is much bigger than anything in the u.s but it's also I don't know what it is, if it's the venue or the fact that it's all carpeted. Like, it's much cozier. <laughs> so the carpet is the secret. It's yeah. the carpet, yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking about it now. Like, it's kind of cozy. Like, the booths are kind of tight together, but it's not just that. It's like, and there's also shitloads of people. Like, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for somebody who's never done it, the first year I went was in 2019. 
And like, I also met like Eric K the same way I met you, John. Like, I was in the line to get into a seminar, and Eric K comes walking up. It's like, you like Foursquare here? Try my Holmes key. I'm like, what's Holmes? Key? <laughs> um, but the first time I went in 2019, I think that was probably the first rum festival of any kind that I went to. Mm. Um, oh, what a way to start! You yeah. started yeah, right at the top, yeah. yeah. You know, the last one pre-COVID, so it was like the big bang. But yeah, I mean, it is a little bit overwhelming, and it's like. You know, I've been to Tales of the Cocktail before, and at Tales of the Cocktail, the rule is, like, don't finish your drinks or you will die. Um, and I know <laughs> yeah. you talk about that as well sometimes for going to rum festivals. And in a place like UK Rum Fest or Paris Rum Fest, like, it's even more so because there's so much more. And, for example, you know, if you're an American listener, you go to Miami Rum Fest or New York Rum Fest, and it's, for the most part, stuff that you've probably already seen and can already get on your liquor shelves, right? There might be some new releases, like, I yeah. remember. You know, New York, Don Coup debuted their cognac cask. Mm. And Miami last year, um, Eldorado came out with the Diamond 151. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. They also came out with the cast strength ones. And then they weren't released for like six more months. But in the in the European ones, like London or anywhere else, it's like there's so much stuff that you've never even seen before. Yeah. And as an American, you wouldn't have access to or like you might have access to it a lot later. Is you know, <laughs> Zen's new worthy park stuff. <laughs> exactly, um, yeah. But it's also, because it's run by Ian Burrell, it's also much more about the culture of rum. Mm. So the there's a stage. If you walk in like to the left, there's a stage. And they've got events happening the entire two or three days of the fest. Like they have uh, cocktail competitions. They had little panels. With, like there was the Barbados Tourism Board. And it was like some guy from there. And also Gail Seal being doing a talk on like Barbados. Mm-hmm. And then they have, you know, live carnival music and dancing for the last hour. And the, there's not a lot of food vendors, but the food vendors is like patties and rotis and stuff like that. Nice. So I think, you know, Ian has done a good job of trying to encapsulate the culture of rum in a way that actually I think a lot of the other festivals, whether they're bigger or smaller, haven't done. Mm. They're much more focused on just the spirits, which is a great thing in and of itself. But I think Ian has sort of embraced the entire, you know, culture of rum most you know most of it being west indian some of it from elsewhere so that's mm. kind of cool too and i mean it's in west london which is nice because west london specifically notting hill i mean really if you want to talk about it, it's trailer happiness but like notting hill which is not too far from where uk rum fest is held is the epicenter of the west indian community in the uk ah okay which is sort of why trailer has become like the official bar of rum fest because it's like a you know 10 minute bus ride from there so when you're you have an event this large, you mentioned how much larger it is than a lot of the U.S. events are. Do you have a strategy going in? Are you sitting there with like a map, looking at, at all of it and saying like, okay, here's the path I'm going to take, or do you just like let the wind blow you where it may, or like how does that work? It depends. I think the first time it was just so overwhelming, and I'm like, oh my god, let's just go, go from stand to stand to stand to stand. At that point, I didn't know that many people either. The bar had only been open for about a year, and I hadn't done much traveling, you know, in the rum world or the cocktail world. This time around, it was more like, let me do a quick walk around before I drink anything. No, no, the first thing that happened this year was Mitch Wilson and Black Tot were right at the entrance. and um, That's a warm actually, welcome. Yeah, Impossible week, to ignore, right? I think <laughs> prior, I'd actually, Mitch very graciously hosted me in his apartment in Amsterdam. <laughs> nice. So, I saw a lot of Mitch the last three weeks. Yeah. Like the second I walk in, I'm like, oh, you're here right at the front door. He's like, hi. <laughs> Like toast, like yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I got my toast of black tot, and uh, there I, goes the plan. Yeah, <laughs> basically, I just did a quick like buzz around the entire venue, just like okay, who's here? What brands are here? Who do I know? Who should I say hi to? And then I sort of took him yeah. on. 
And then what I would typically do is go to like, you know, I saw Zan was there. So I'm going to go visit Zan. I saw um, my, my uh, French, French guy, uh, Don Ferrari, which is his real name, who I run into at every rum fest, who reps St. James and Jay Bally was there. Mm-hmm. So go see him. So there's a few things like that. And then it's slowly like, okay, I want to hit up this. I want to hit up who's busy now, who's, who's empty now. You yeah. Four Square had a massive throng around it the entire time. So, um, you know, I'm old friends with Pete Holland. So I just like snuck it on the side with Pete. And I'm like, you got any covenant? He's like, here you go. Thanks. <laughs> so for you, it sounds almost like it's a, not only are you there for the rum, you're there for the people because you know that's a really, lot of the people. And so point, that's paying yeah. off. Yeah. At this point, for sure. I mean, I started going to these kind of events and I guess, well, 2017, the first time I did Tales, but since the bar was open 2019 with both Tales and UK Rum Fest. And I mean, what they say about rum family is really true. Like, I don't know of any other spirits category where like people from around the world are so tightly knit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely is about the people. It's it's so much about the people. I mean, to be honest, uh, I felt like Rum Fest was actually smaller this year than it was in previous years. But all the people I wanted to see were there. And yeah, that was it, great. Is that in terms smaller in terms of attendance or smaller no, in terms of like everything? In terms of brands, like there were some brands that very conspicuously weren't there this year. Hmm. I have no idea why. Hmm. I mean, on the flip side, though, there were some brands that had more of a presence. So, for example, in previous years, St. Nicholas Abbey had only been there on the trade day, whereas St. Nicholas was there all three days this time, which I thought was great. And then, like, some of the ones that are only there on trade day still were only there on trade day. And But then... Yeah, I mean, for, like, for example, Mount Gay wasn't there. I thought that was very hmm. odd, especially, like, you just mentioned that, like, I think Zan and Maggie were just talking about this. The single um, estate. How they weren't there, despite having such huge, such a huge release. Yeah. But, no, I mean, all the people were there. And at this point, that's as much, that's a, as much why I go is to try new stuff, as is to see, like, you know, all the old friends from, you know, the Rum family and, and, and meet new ones. When you go to a Rum event like this, how much are you there just as a fan of rum for fun? And how much are you there kind of like as like thinking about it as a bar owner? Uh, I don't know if there's kind of like a professional component to to it at all for you and like certain things you're looking for. What's kind of the split on that? Yeah, well, you know, since I'm my own boss, I can say it's probably evenly split. <laughs> Perfect 50-50, yeah. I don't have to report to anybody else. Um, no, but honestly, it is. I mean, I'm there because I love rum, right? And I have a lot of friends in the rum, you know, community, whether they're enthusiasts or producers or brand ambassadors or whatever. But it's also because, yeah, the Green Zone has become a massive... We've kind of become the top destination for rum in D.C., even though we're not mm. officially a rum bar. And even though there might be bars with more rums than we have. Like I, One of the things about the rum we have at the Green Zone is that it re- reflects my personal ethos. Like I really favor, um, I don't want to use the term craft because it's, so, you know, it's, it's an abused term. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, I prioritize independent, family-owned producers, ones that are completely transparent, you know, ones that don't add sugar or do any bullshit. You know, ones that, you know, respect the traditions of rum making. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so that's it. You know, we we may not have, we have a pretty good, pretty long rum list, but it's not exhaustive because, you know, why should I fill my shelves with stuff that, I, you know, anybody can get at the corner liquor store? Well, and you've, I, I know you've done some, I know of at least one, you know, you did a El Dorado bottling, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly. So that, uh, aged, aged Clarence bottling as well. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah, we're in the we're in talks for a couple more too, but I need to figure out some storage solutions for this. Oh, nice. How, how does that? 
Have you, have you noticed more brands kind of reaching out and being interested in collaborating like that in recent years? Or has it been more of an effort on your part to reach out and be like, hey, we should do something? It, or, you know, which one of those is it? it? It goes both ways. With the Clarence thing, that was the first one. I mean, I've known Kate Perry since like 2017. Hmm. And, you know, the DC launch party of Lab and Zone and Valley was at the Green Zone and all that. So she was like, hey, wanna, want your own barrel? I'm like, yes. Of course. <laughs> um, but then we had one with Eldorado, like you said, and that kind of came as a surprise because we've always had a few of their rums. And, like, we have their cast strength single still release. Right. And we use the Diamond 151 White as, like, our main infusion spirit. So we actually go through a lot of white 151, but it's not in any cocktails, and none of their regular rums are in any of our cocktails either. So I was kind of surprised when they're like, hey, do you want to do a cast pick for Eldorado? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you never ask. <laughs> yeah. And certain other importers, small, small, small importers have been like, your barrel's yours anytime you want it. And it's just, for me, honestly, more of an issue of storage than anything else. Like, we're a tiny, John, you saw it, we're tiny. And, like, yeah. our basement is, like, half the size of our ground floor. So, mm. yeah, not a lot. Well, my, my house is always available, Chris, if you need Oh, yeah, storage. right? Yeah. <laughs> I just moved, right? I just moved houses, and all of my bottles rum and everything else are in a storage unit right now and it's oh. like I can't imagine unpacking that yeah i went through that a few years ago not fun yeah uh, <laughs> when you when you do one of those collaborations what do you see as kind of the bet like how are you thinking about showcasing that is it just this will be a cool rum to add to our list for neat pours are, are you thinking about why I'm, I'm sure it varies depending on what it is but are you thinking about incorporating it into drinks are you wanting to get it into stores and things like that yeah, like yeah. so uh, that's a good question so i mean most of those so so far i guess we've done two i feel like we've done two I might be missing something but in all these cases they're too expensive to use for cocktails yeah mm-hmm. um, so we've offered them by the poor, but because, you know, DC has the laxest liquor laws in the country, we can now just sell bottles to go. Oh, that's so, great. In fact, that's one, another thing we do is that like almost all the, you know, the hard to get rum that I, that I get at the bar, I like will message DC rum rebels be like, yo, I have three bottles of this. Like if you want them, <laughs> let me know. The uh, DC rum re- rebels are always down to take some rum yeah. off your hands. I'm I sure. <laughs> I think they're the top contributors, top commenters on your patreon post uh, <laughs> it's a lively bunch that's for sure yeah yeah but yeah so and it's also so the first two that we did the first one i told when when our distributor said hey uh you know you're doing this barrel from with you know clarence sajus and i'm like man i don't think i can sell a whole barrel of that oh i should go i should backtrack we have we do have other barrels but they're not rum so gotcha okay, gotcha. okay. <laughs> i was like i don't think we can sell a whole barrel so I don't know if I want to put like just Green Zone on the label. And it's like, well, what if we make it like Green Zone for, you know, Prestige Ledroit? They're the distributor. Just mm. selected by Green Zone for Prestige Ledroit. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. So actually, shitloads of that bottle went to stores in D.C. Awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Be cool. And I gave so many away as a PR thing that I actually forgot to keep one for myself. And now it's sold out. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. It was such an agent of Carney cask. I mean, come on. Oh, always the first move when when you get get your hands on them is just take one and set it aside somewhere. I did that. I did that like three times and I gave <laughs> three of them away. Every time I go to a festival, I give my hat away because I'm like, I can always get another one at home. 
Yeah, but then and then with the Eldorado, it was partnered with Sealbox. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you know they have national distribution. But uh, and it's funny because every time they're like, "Oh, your cases of Eldorado are sold out," like they deliver three more. I'm like, "Oh, where did these come from?" But no, it's definitely. I mean, for us, it's a PR thing. Like, I don't have a PR budget. And tying back to the whole subject of this, like my PR budget is traveling around and doing pop-ups and appearing at festivals and meeting people mm-hmm. so to how, you know, if I need to give away half a case of an exclusive barreling, like an exclusive bottling from a barrel, like I, that's a, a justified expense as far as I'm concerned. And so getting back, I guess, to the subject of the UK Rum Fest, we don't want to yeah. let that go just yet. No, 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 um, no. What were some of the key takeaways for you? I know when I've attended events, there seems to be some sort of a theme I can usually grab from them. Not always, but you know, a lot of times you can find general trends or insights or maybe something that seems to capture the spirit or maybe buzz among attendees. So I wanted to ask, is there any of those that stuck out for you this year? Uh, I'll say what's interesting is that, not to get too political, although I'm absolutely happy to, uh, Ian Burrell made a big point that Plantation was banned from Rumfest this year. Wow! Oh, wow! How yeah. like w- just in in the middle of a presentation or yes, how did I go actually, in the middle of a presentation? I was sitting next to somebody. It was Ian Ian Burrell's. So he has this seminar every year called Ian Burrell's. It used to be Ian Burrell's thousand pound rum tasting. Now it's Ian Burrell's fifteen hundred pound rum tasting. It's <laughs> uh, gone up. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> and to be honest, like one of them was a Carney employees release. So like that alone is worth at least 1500 pounds. Yeah, um, true. It was like four wow. square, uh, it wasn't 2006. It was maybe like Principia or Triptych. And it was, I don't know. And it was one of the Valier Carneys and it was something else. So it's like, you know, and then he just talks about rum. It's basically him talking about rum in a generic sense for 45 minutes and giving you pours of expensive ass stuff. And the woman sitting next to me, I forget what island she was from. She was British Caribbean from one of the smaller islands. And she's like, oh, I don't like this very much. And and he's like, oh, what don't you like? What is it? X and Y. And he's like, well, what do you normally like? And she mentioned plantation. And oh, like, boy. Plantation so that was the jumping off point. That was the jumping off point. And, you know, last year plantation was there and had a huge stand. And this year there was like, ooh, plantation's not here. Ian actually like said, oh, well, they're, they're disinvited this year. And she's like, why? And like Ian was like, well, from one, you know, British Caribbean person to another, like, you know, for X, Y and Z, but we'll talk about it more outside. Mm, Yeah. How was that? How was that received in the in the room? I certainly cheered. Uh, (laughs) I think a few other people might have as well. There, there wasn't like a big like, like hush, hush, uh, a hush didn't fall upon the room. Well, I mean, a little, a little bit. And then when, when Ian was like, they've been, they've been banned. We were like, yes. <laughs> so there were a few people, you know, silently, silently clapping. Um, yeah, it was weird because, like I said, it was smaller this year, and I think it's absolutely still worth going to. I mean, it is still one of the biggest in the world. And, you know, just also the parties at Trailer Happiness every night are just so fun. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I would say there was like an overarching theme or anything. Mm-hmm. One, you know, one of the things with UK Rum Fest is that it is rums from all over. Whereas, you know, if you go to Paris Rum Fest, it's almost all French agricole brands and stuff like right. that. I would say British rum definitely had a bigger um, presence this year. I think there was more of a focus on that. So the night before... A trailer happiness. So we always do a pop-up at Trailer Happiness on Friday night before Rumfest. But what was happening the night uh, before our pop-up in the afternoon, Alex, one of the bartenders there, organized a like quasi-affiliated with Rumfest uh, expo of British rum producers. 
Yeah, no, I cool. just I literally just texted John. I texted you a link to the write up of that on the yep. Rum Barrel blog. Um, yeah, that's Alex is the guy that writes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know how he has time to write that blog. Like, and he's a full time bartender at Trailer. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, but he's a good dude. I like his blog. Yeah, so he had I don't know maybe eight or nine producers in there all pouring their stuff. Yeah, and a lot, most of them were featured at UK Rum Fest. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like, there's always been one or two there. But uh, a lot more of them were there this time. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. And actually, one of the ones that I tried, Dropworks Distillery, is making amazing, amazing stuff. Like, they actually have a muck pit. I'm I'm Um, glad to hear you say that because I guess a little teaser of something to come in the next few months. But John and I have been wanting to, to, to... do uh, do some of our own research on the the UK rum scene, and we just put in an order at the whiskey exchange for like a yeah, I don't know twelve or thirteen different UK rums, and one of the ones that we added was the Funk Drop rum from Dropworks because yep. I just like there was just a, a write up about them that I came across somewhere, kind of describing them as like the largest rum distillery in the UK. And I hadn't heard of them before the article. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, a pretty, there's a lot going into this operation. And Yeah, um, so the guy who owns it, uh, Lewis Hayes, is, uh, I met him on the Barbados Rum Experience the first oh, year, cool. 2021. Hmm. He, it turned out that he is the owner of a bar you may have heard of called the Black Parrot. Right, yeah. No, I, I read about the the bar owner background in, in that article, yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool. So Funk Drop is really cool. And then he has one which is only for sale at the distillery, but he gave me some samples of called Super Funk. So that one actually has the addition of muck to it and like a 20 plus day fermentation or something crazy. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. Yeah. And he has one called Clean Drop, which is his take on like, you know, a white rum. And mm-hmm. it, uh, <clears throat> you may have heard I'm the Daiquiri police. Like I would say it passes the Daiquiri test. Wow. I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> Big endorsement. Clean Drop is pretty damn good. So yeah, Dropworks is really good. And there's also one called Outlier Distilling from the Isle of Man. The, yeah. They have one called Hurricane Overproof Manx Rum. Yep. That's really good. Yep. Uh, I saw that bottle actually recently, Will and I, when we were discussing. And I was like, oh, look at this. And of course, it's a hurricane. So, you know, that speaks to me on more yeah, than Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, I, I, think, I think we got... Oh, um, Florida? I, <laughs> just a little. I think yeah. we got another a sample of another one of their rums in our order because we were we were trying to like we did a few bottles but we also anytime there was a UK distillery that Whiskey Exchange had a sample available uh, we did right. that and one of their rums had a sample and I don't think the Hurricane one did but so we're like really looking forward to diving into uh, to all of those and just yeah seeing what that scene is all about. I know Maggie told you that you should interview Ben from Isla Distillery. Yes, yeah, we got some Isla stuff in the order. Stuff is really good, and I've only met Ben once, but it was at one of the Trailer Happiness after parties after Rumfest one year, and like he apparently appreciates dancehall reggae as much as I do. Nice. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so they're good. The Sugar House stuff is also really good. So yeah, there's some good stuff coming out of the UK. I mean, some of it's some of it's all right, and some of it's actually quite good. That's good to hear. That was actually a cool thing. There was a lot more of that this time around. Well, shifting gears from the, the, the UK rums that were available, I know a, a couple of interesting rums that John and I saw photos of from people at the festival. I know there was a, a new high ester blend from El Dorado there, the, yeah. new, the new Worthy Park Overproof. Um, were you able to try any of those or, or was there other new stuff? You okay, know, so from- there was one more thing that was really like took a much bigger presence at this rum fest and that was Madeiran rum. Ah, mm. okay. That's great okay. to hear too. 
always been there's an importer in the UK called Harold and Hansa, which I think are the names of the two people who run it, who've imported William Hinton rum and rum. Yep. 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 Uh, Nine seven. It's it's a distillery called an Ingenious de Norte, and like they have rum nine sixty and nine seventy. I think there's even yeah. a nine fifty, but they all kind of look the same, right? But yeah. this they were there with a hell of a lot more releases, plus a whole bunch of other distilleries. So Urezinho was there. They've never been there before. A couple new distilleries or new brands were there. Harold and Hansa have started importing a lot more stuff. So like even though it's still their portfolio, they had like. William Hinton, like white overproof, 69%. This stuff was awesome. We actually have that in our market somehow in Nashville. Really? I don't know how we got that, but but yeah. No kidding. Huh. The, only, the only Madeira brand I've, I've ever seen over here, William Hinton. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, there was a new 970 cast strength Madeira cask, which was awesome. There was a, yeah, the Madeira, I don't know like if there's a board, like a marketing board for Madeira and rum in general, but I think there might be because there's a giant thing here. It says, created by nature, produced by masters, Madeira agricole rum, original rum de Madeira. <laughs> so mm, they were organized. Out, they, they, they were yeah. out in full force. They were very much out in full force. Nice. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, other stuff for sure. The the new, the Eldorado. I'm like, I have pictures of all this. I'm trying to find the picture. Yeah, here we go. Eldorado High Ester Blend. It says LBI slash DHE. So LBI is La Bonne Intention, mm-hmm. a long defunct distillery in Mark. I think there may have been a Velier bottling of that from ages ago. And then DHE is Diamond High Ester. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it says, the bottle says distilled in 2012. So it's quite old. It was 57%. And I only found out about it by word of mouth. Like I went up to the Eldorado stand and I'm like, hey man, like, how's it going? I heard you got this high ester stuff. He's like, oh yeah, I pulled it out from under the table. Here you go. <laughs> the ones you have to ask for are always the, uh, yeah. the most interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then he also pulled out a tiny little mini. I can send you the photo, but it's like the cute. We were talking about miniatures in your last episode in the mailbag yeah. episode. A mini of very old school diamond superior high wine. Oh, which interesting. Lance wow. Lance Painter has written about like 10 years ago. That was quite nice. Let's see. There was also, uh, yeah. How how did, uh, we don't have to get into like, you know, precise tasting notes and stuff like that. But I'm curious to just in terms of a high ester rum, how did that compare to, you know, an aged Jamaican high ester or something like that? I would say, I would say the Eldorado high ester blend to me tasted like, imagine a cask strength 15 year. Oh, wow. Interesting. Hmm. Like Eldorado 15? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, I know there's like a lot of Portmore in the 15. Mm-hmm. There's none in this, but, and I hadn't had the 15 in a while, but like it really had those same like heavy, you know, by caramel, I don't mean that they added sugar, but sort of those cooked, cooked, cooked sugar notes. And yeah. Like yeah. Would, those, those kind of notes you get from like old Demerars, which I think the 15 does really well. I've always said like, I wish they would release the 15 at 46 or 50%. Oh man, that would be same. Yeah. That would be so good. Uh, so this this to me was like a really amped up 15. That's hmm. interesting. I was expecting something a lot, um, I guess. Uh, the, thing, the thing with high, you know, the, the Mark Highester is that like you're expecting it to taste like Hamden or Long Pond. Right, right. right. Like that is not necessarily going to be the case. Right. You know, it, shit. I mean, what do you call it? Certain rum agricoles are like in the couple hundred, est- you know, two, three hundred esters and they don't taste anything alike, right? Right. It's all, guess, it's, all, it's all different. I yeah. guess, like, in my mind, I think of El Dorado 15 as kind of laid back 
flavor, you know, very approachable. And I think of a high ester as something a little more intense, you know, like I'm thinking like a Hamden C diamond H or something. And not yeah, that this well, would taste the same, but that it might be uh, kind of a similar level of like, whoa, this is, you know, an advanced rum. So it to was, speak. and I mean, look, let's be honest. This was towards the end of the day. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> but I mean, to me, like a lot of those like very telltale, like 15 notes were there and it may have been a bit, you know, there was certainly much higher ABV and it may have been, you know, funkier on an ester, ester portfolio, but it really reminded me of all the Demerara rums I've ever had. It reminded me of the Eldorado 15. That's cool. No, it's it's great to 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 get your impression Other of that. Things. I mean, I know we've you've talked about the new Worthy Park stuff. Yep. We'll get too much into that, except to tell you that it's fucking awesome. Okay. Uh, that's all that's we good. needed to hear. Yep. But the thing that Mitch Wilson and I discovered. So Mitch recently came out. You know, Black Tot recently came out with their new 2023 edition. Yep. Uh, and let me tell you that the best black tot blend other than last consignment and mitch might agree with me is black tot 4045 black tot 4045 oh wait is that two blended together an unmeasured combination poured out simultaneously from 2022 and 2023 into your glass oh my god 4045 yeah, so Mitch and I figured this out pretty early on. Like I said, I saw a lot of Mitch over those few weeks. We figured this pretty early on, and every single time I went to his stand, either there or at Whiskey Live, I was like, 4045? He's like, 4045. <laughs> I, lo- I love that Like within one of those releases, there's like 30 different things blended yeah. in, and it's like, that's not enough. Like, oh. We now have to blend them together to get right. the ultimate. Passersby would be like, like, what's going on here? And Mitch was like, do you want to try 60 different barrels blended together? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a super blend. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so like, you, Chris, all yeah. <laughs> Chris, you mentioned kind of being at the end of the day when you were talking about sipping or trying the high ester blend. Is it possible to even have like a top three rums from that? Is, is it impossible because you're trying so many and your, your palate is just blasted? Maybe you can measure it as like what's a, a, a rum or a couple that you have to have at the green zone? Yeah. So actually, one of the things that was there was that St. Nicholas, finally, after much pleading, has bottled their 12-year at Cast Strength. Oh, nice. that's cool. When I was in Barbados last November, like Larry was you know, giving us samples of it. And he's like, well, it's not exactly 12-year. It's like 11 years and 11 months and 20 days. And we're like, I don't think <laughs> should bottle it. It's so good. It's so good. He's like, well, we want to wait. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you tell us this now. We're leaving in three days. But now it's available. And they had everything available for tasting. And like, this, that's why I said it was cool to see them on all three days because I think they're very like little known even in the UK. Right. And they're like, I've always thought their 40% stuff is fine, but their 60% stuff sings. It's so crazy. Like their white at 60% tastes like bananas and their five and eight and especially the 12 at 60 are just awesome. Like real, like top, top quality rums. Yeah. As for favorites from round, I don't know. There was hard, kind of hard to say. I mean, definitely in previous years, I've had like standout favorites. Like in 2019, in Luca's seminar, he had the... HLCF slash DOK, so-called mm-hmm. one and only. There was only one barrel because it was an accident. And Ivar and I were both in the class, and we both like tried it and looked at each other like, holy shit. And he, <laughs> Luca was like, this will never be released. <laughs> <laughs> like a few months later, I see that like Ivar managed to get a bottle of it, and I'm like, I need a bottle. So I now have one at home, and I have one in the green zone. I might have one in backup. But There you go. And last year, there was a Velier... Uh, release of like Hamden, like 12 year Hamden, 12 year age, like individual marks, 
which I never saw for sale anywhere. But they had a 12-year HLCF, which was unbelievable. Like, if you didn't figure out that HLCF is my favorite mark, there yep. you go. Putting it together, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this year, I mean, I'm just looking at all my pictures. Maybe, yeah, the Worthy Park cane juice overproof. The Worthy Park overproof was really damn good. Oh, yeah, okay, the standout, obviously. I don't have a picture of this because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> Foursquare LFT Mark II. Yeah, ah, the second edition of this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever they're gonna end up calling it. Richard had a seminar where he only spoke about that one rum. There was only one single glass on the table, and it was covered by a sheet of paper. I'm lucky enough to have a couple of bottles of LFT, and this was, I think, even better. It's lower ABV, but it's much more like sugar caney. Hmm. So the, both of them were not straight sugar cane there are blends of cane and molasses cane juice and molasses but this yeah. one was really like fresh sugar cane in a way that like an agricole isn't like if you've ever bitten into a sugar cane it reminded me of that was hmm. this one different in any way i'm assuming it came from a different cane harvest at least the yeah. cane juice portion of it but were the parameters changed or the blend percentages or anything i don't remember if the blend percentages is. i I don't ever i attended three seminars a day which is actually quite a lot that is a lot Um, yeah Mm. i never take notes at any of them because it's like i hate paper um i mean i would never find myself taking notes at a rum festival i don't have the discipline for that Oh my God! There are people who do, and it's like they're writing furiously, and it's like, what? What are you writing down? I mean, no, um, no shots at those people. En- enjoy the festival, like any yeah, way that want, that, yeah. that you want to. I'm just saying, yeah. for, you know, for me, take taking notes is in rum don't mix. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it was the same. I think it was the same general parameters. Parameters. I don't know if the blend of cane juice and molasses was different. I just think because of the you know the natural spontaneous fermentation, you might get different results, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's actually significantly lower ABV. It's like a good like five or six degrees lower. Okay. Uh, it's still pretty high proof, but like I don't know. It just it tasted much fresher. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Yeah. A couple other highlights. Jay Bally was celebrating their hundredth anniversary. I saw. So that, yeah. they had I forgot what they called it, but it was the Jay Bally like hundredth anniversary bottle. That stuff was awesome. And it's weird because St. James. So St. James and Jay Bally are the same company, and at mm. every Including in the U.S., they have so much shit at their table that they only sell in France. I know, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, at Miami Rum Congress, we had a, a similar thing at the St. James table. It was, yeah. uh, oh, this is great, not available here. Oh, this is great, not available here. I'm sure, I'm sure that was Don. But I mean, thank you for bringing it, though. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd love to be able to have like, it. He's like, oh yeah, here you go. Yep. Um, that yeah. was that was really cool. Yeah, that say, that Jay Bally was a standout. The LFT Mark II is a standout. Yeah, there are a couple other things too, but I'm not I'm not just gonna go list all the new rums I tried. <laughs> I think we'd be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll tell you the one other. Okay, the one other standout was you know the there's like the vieux um, Clarin series, like there's vieux Sajus and vieux Vaval. Yep, is soon to be released a vieux Casimir that's eight years old. Wow, probably the best aged Clarin I've ever tried of any mm. kind. Yeah, that stuff is straight fire. It's so good. I wouldn't have guessed that they had something that old at this point. I feel like the yeah. oldest I've seen is maybe around four years or five, maybe. Yeah, five, because there's a Vieux Sajus that just came out that's five years old. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised, too. I mean, I met Luca at Tales of the Cocktail 2017, and he, which is, what, six years ago. 
and he told me that like the new project was going to be aged Clarin. So that means even at that point, they had something that was it had been in a barrel for two years. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that was delicious. And I had it again at Whiskey Live, and I kept coming back to it again and again and again. Yeah. So broadening out our, our focus a little bit, I know you also attended Whiskey Live Paris, and you mentioned another rum event uh, yeah. as well. Rum and, rum and Whiskey Anze in Eymouden, Netherlands, by Richard Blesgraf of Daybike yes. Wine and Spirits, and also the head of the Foursquare Rum Appreciation Society on Facebook. Yes. Awesome. So you, you did a lot, and that's not to mention all the other stuff you already mentioned you did in between these events. But I, wa- I wanted to ask you, what are some of the differences with a specific rum-based event like the UK Rum Fest that only really covers rum, and a larger spirit category event like Whiskey Live Paris or something yeah. else? Yeah, sure. So the I would say, I mean, Whiskey, Whiskey Live is like a behemoth. It is so big. I didn't know what to expect. I, I went because Mark Rainier of Renegade Rum mm-hmm. and Waterford Whiskey did a happy hour at the Green Zone, and we were talking and talking. And you, you know, you interviewed. You had two episodes with him. We did, um, yeah, part one and part two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw lots and lots of Jane Nurse at all three festivals. I did see saw very little of Mark. But, she was uh, she was great to talk to on that. Yeah, episode Jane, as well. yeah. it is awesome. Jane is awesome. But you know, as I, as I say about Mark, he's a little bit like Richard Seal, but with stronger opinions and more talkative. Uh, <laughs> people, but, people are listening and saying Richard Seal with stronger opinions. What? Yeah, it's true. It's true. But when he was at the Green Zone, he was like, "Oh, if you only go to one festival of any kind anywhere in the world, go to Whiskey Live. It's the one to go to." I'm like, "Okay." So I basically went to Whiskey Live on his recommendation. Um, was he right? Yeah, I think he was right. Um, <laughs> not to, you know, belittle you. I love UK Rum Fest. Like London, I, I grew up going to London all the time. Like London is my second home. So like any excuse to go back there is awesome. So I'm like, oh, there's a one of the world's biggest rum festivals right around my birthday in my favorite city. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Whiskey Live is is different. And uh, same with Whiskey and Rum on Zay. I mean, Whiskey and Rum on Zay is, is very small. Although they're in their like 12th year or something crazy or even 17th year. So Richard Blesgraf has been at it for a long time. But you get much more like spirits nerds at those. There's definitely the rum nerds at something like UK Rum Fest. But there's a lot of people that just like, hey, I like rum. I like to party. I mean, you know, rum is the fun spirit, right? Yeah. It's, mm. it's beach drink, you know, and like there's nothing wrong with that. But it just creates a bit of a different scene. You know, you have there definitely the whole, you know, UK rum what's the word i'm looking for you know the rum cognoscenti of the uk are all there but there's lots of other people who you know they might just like for example plantation guy on a rum or they might like diplomatico and they're just there because it's like kind of like a yeah. big, whereas whiskey and romanze and especially whiskey live are real spirits geeks for the diehards yeah for the diehards um I mean, mind you, I think there was a lot of party vibe. There was a big party vibe at Whiskey Live because a big component of that, of all three days, is what's called Cocktail Street. So starting at like noon and going until midnight or 10 p.m. are a whole bunch of brand-sponsored like cocktail stations outside Mm -hmm. under the tent. But that's separate from the display area, whereas at Rumfest, like, yeah, it's off to the side, but it's all in the same room. But no, that was cool. Whiskey, Whiskey Live was cool. Probably just as many rums as Rumfests, plus all the whiskey, plus all the brandy, plus all the whole cocktail street. Like, crazy. Was there a, he- yeah. a heavier agricole presence, given that it's um, in Paris? Yeah, so there was a heavier agricole presence than UK Rumfests, especially because, like, 
as far as French agricultural brands, I think it was only J Bally and St. James who were there this year. Wow, um, really? Yeah, Spiribam wasn't there, which is really surprising. Um, mm-hmm. They've been there in previous years. Oh, and maybe the La Maison and Velier table had like one Naison bottling, perhaps. But yeah, St. James and J Bally were pretty much it. Like, I don't think De Paz was not there. La Favorite is never anywhere. Oh, sorry, Trois was there because Trois is not owned by Campari. So, like, Trois was next to Appleton. Okay. But yeah, definitely Whiskey Live had more agricole than UK Rum Fest, but not nearly as much as Paris Rum Fest. Paris Rum Fest is like, if you're at all curious about Rum Agricole, go to Paris Rum Fest because it's like almost as big as Whiskey Live, but it's like 90% Rum Agricole. I had been to Martinique last November. And my whole thing about going to Paris Rum Fest this past April was like, now it's time to try all the Guadeloupe shit. Yeah, yeah. I succeeded in my goal. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, I have to say I'm insanely jealous of your pronunciation of anything French. Because, wow. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I studied it for like all of high school. Well, you're you're, you're doing well. I mean, at least to to an American like myself, I'm like, holy crap, Really good at pronouncing that stuff. Um, John's just over here like, want some raw? <laughs> of course you do. Um, <laughs> um, so, Chris, I, I wanted to kind of ask you, now we were talking a little bit earlier about your clientele at the Green Zone and the kind of rums that you stock there yeah. and your conscious decision with that. So how is it that you decide which rums you're going to stock Knowing that fact, right? Knowing that most of these aren't going to necessarily be mainstream, familiar rums, and people aren't necessarily looking for the rums that you're going to stock, uh, yeah. except for us, our, our rum cognoscenti, as you put it. How do you balance that? To, I mean, you, you answered it in part. You said you sell a lot of vodka. But with regards to rum, do you just say, screw that, it is what it is? Or are you balancing it at all? No, there is a balance because, you know, we do have a lot of rum cocktails and I'm not putting, you know, 70, 80, hundred dollar bottles into rum cocktails. You know, basically my the whole ethos I explained to you when I'm buying rum, I sort of apply to all the spirits at my bar. With all modesty aside, we probably have like the best spirit rail in the, in the city. Mm-hmm. Like everything we have there is stuff I would happily drink neat, you know, even down to the gin. Right. So, you know, even at the $20, $30 bottle mark, I'm using the same guidelines to pick, you know. So if somebody wants a daiquiri, they're getting Probitas, right? If they want a Presidente, they're getting Donku 7. If, they're, for the, if somebody wants a regular, whether it's a Desert Falcon or a classic Jungle Bird, they're getting Worthy Park 109 um, <laughs> when it's in stock. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's the same ethos and it goes all the way down. So really, that's what's paying the bills, right? Um, yes, I can sell, I can sell out two cases of a new four score release in like a week, mm-hmm. but I'm also not making much money on that. Like I, I want to sort of evangelize the rum. I'm not trying to make money off of it. Right. Right. Like the markup I trip. So you want to buy the bottle, uh, let's say it's, you know, covenant when it comes out or if it's whatever newest LROK release that comes out, I'm only charging a tiny markup, like m- less of a markup than any liquor store in DC. Because I want people to have access to these rums. And I knew, I remember before, you know, I had something like the Green Zone or I had the buying power and allocation power of the Green Zone, like it was a pain in the ass to get some of this stuff. Um, And I've also told people, you know, hey, if there's anything you want, 
let me know and I'll order a few and I will sell, give it to you for cheaper than the liquor store. Well, salute to you for uh, yeah. take, taking taking up the mantle for, for yeah. all the, the rum geeks out there who can't yeah. get access to the good stuff. That's awesome. We need yeah. a green zone uh, number two in Miami. Right. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, I've done pop ups in Miami, so you know, we'll see. All right. I don't know when I'm in Miami, I like I'll, I just want to live at La Trova. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, what better place is there? That's actually what got me into the whole rum thing. Like you didn't ask, but I'll tell you what got me into oh. the rum. Thing is, like when I was 18, I was spending a lot of time in London and like all the places in London had like mojitos everywhere. And I'm like, ooh, what is this? Because, like, I wasn't, like, a drinker in high school, which, you know, probably to my parents' relief. um, Because, you know, I thought that, like, the beer that people were drinking was disgusting, which it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember as a kid, like, seeing what I thought was a glass of apple juice sitting on a side table. And (laughs) Johnny Walker Black Label. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say it was beer. I wasn't expecting. (laughs) No, 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 no. my my grandfather, my Iraqi grandfather, who's still around, is a uh, true to uh, Middle Eastern stereotypes. is a big aficionado of Black Label. I saw I saw on the Green Zone website how how Johnny Walker has kind of a a, a place in the bar and how big of a deal it is in the Middle East, which I wasn't aware of. The advertising for Diageo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, so I wasn't like a huge drinker, and then I was in London, and like there was things called mojitos or everywhere and i tried them like ooh, that's delicious what's in this and the answer of course is rum and it's like well in the u.s you know so you know i got a fake id back when i came to the u.s when i was 19 and i'm like i bought all the cocktail books i could find which in 2003 2004 was like nothing mm. yeah just just my luck of, like getting into cocktails before the cocktail revival actually happened <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would like, you know, go to Borders Books and buy every cocktail book. And they're all like, oh, you wanted, you know, originally made with Cuban rum. You can use X and Y, Z substitutes because blah, 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 embargo. And so I, like, I went down this rabbit hole of thinking like, okay, what's the best? I'd been in London. I'd had Havana Club 3. I'm like, what's the best rum I can get to make a mojito? And like, it took me down this spiral of like Cuban style white rums. Right. And then that just, you know, opens Pandora's box. So it's weird because like, and Richard Nicholson and I talk about this all the time. Like I'm one of those guys that loves like Hamden HLCF and clean Cuban rum. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I I think a lot of, well, I don't know if if it's a lot of people, but I, I, that's one of the great things to me about rum is there's so many different styles from the, you know, high octane to the more subtle. And it's great to be able to oscillate between those. And I mean, you never get bored if, if you have an appreci- appreciation for different styles. Yeah. Oh, I heard you talking about this on a recent episode. You were asking, you were talking about like old Bacardi. Yeah. yeah. I, one of the things, you know, rum fest adjacent things I did was I went to the Donovan bar in London with Richard and Gail Seal and Peter Holland and it's a bar run by the legendary bartender Salvatore Calabrese, and he has a vintage cocktails section on his menu. And they had a cocktail made with 1905 Bacardi. Wow. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Well, this goes on a separate tab. I want that. <laughs> what, what was the cocktail? It was a daiquiri. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was actually Bacardi, Bacardi Carta Oro. It wasn't the Carta Blanca. If it was a Carta Blanca, that would have been Holy Grail. But, but it's interesting because like, I think even Richard was impressed. i killed the bottle i don't know if you've seen on my social media i'm like the bottle kill guy that i've seen yes (laughs) 
So conveniently enough, there was like enough in the bottle to make one daiquiri and they just left the bottle at my table. So I'm doing, you know, <laughs> and Richard takes a little bit and like puts it in his hands and smells it. And it's interesting. The distiller move. It really, yeah, right. Like it really was. That was certainly a highlight of UK Rum Fest, even if it wasn't actually at the festival. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It was. It was like super, super clean. Like it's flavorful, but super clean. What do you think? You know, we're talking about Cuban rums, rums you can't get easily in the in the states. Is yeah. there any style of rum or type? You know, is is there kind of a gap in the market that you see in terms of what bars need a specific style or a type of rum that you'd love to have? But like the, there's not the perfect thing out there that's the right price yeah. or the right whatever yeah. to fill it right now. Yeah. Like I said, something like a high proof Eldorado 15 would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, 100% I've been agree. trying to get my hands on a consistent supply yeah, I don't know how Eldorado found out about me. Like, I got sent back in 2021, maybe, or 22, like, two bottles of the Dark Diamond 151, which hadn't been released because apparently I'm, like, a rum influencer or something. There you and go. Like, They're on talk- to you. I'm like, I've never talked to any of you people. I now, like, I'm friends with their national brand ambassador, Jody Curtis. But, like, at the time, I didn't know her. So, and, like, she did an event at the Green Zone. I pulled this out. She's like, how do you have this? I'm like, you tell me how do I have this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm trying to get more and like, I've been trying to work with blends. It's like, okay, what happens if we blend 50%, you know, diamond 151 dark with Eldorado eight year? Does that get us close to the ballpark? So nobody's really done that. Like we use Ed Hamilton's, you know, Guyana, what is it? 86 proof? 86. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's good, but it's, it doesn't have a lot of age on it. And also 86 isn't quite where I want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think is a big thing. I've told Eric K, like, man, just get a tropically, <laughs> just, you know, five or eight year, 50% Guyana and I'll buy a barrel of that. I, I, um, I would love there to just in general be more kind of mid-priced, not super long aged, 90 to 100 proof rums yeah, on the market exactly. for, from yeah. everyone that would be to, to me that would fill like such a void yeah i mean even like worthy park 109 which is an awesome product yeah isn't and it's, it definitely has its its purposes and its uses there's something in between that i want so i'm like another thing i did is like i tried blending 50 percent rum bar gold and worthy park 109 and it's like mm. okay that is kind of like that jamaican punch rum style right that nobody has really done. It was like, oh, let's have Smith and Cross and Worthy Park 109. It's like, no, those are all too strong. I mean, great, yep. great, great shots to rip and you can make killer cocktails with them, but like, that's not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, not to reveal my nefarious plans, I went to Ian Stair when I was in Amsterdam. Ah. And like, yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute. So everything you have in this warehouse is tropically aged. They're like, yeah. Like in, in Maine, it's all aged there. Like, yeah, but this is all tropical age. They're like, yeah. I'm like, hmm. All right. hmm. The gears, yeah. the gears are turning. They started turning. Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe they'll one day will be a green zone blend of rum from Ian Ace Claire. But I think that's more trouble than I, I can be bothered to get into. <laughs> Chris, I wanted to ask you. I think you feel like one of the best people I can think of to ask this question. We've yes. had it asked of us many times, and I don't think we've ever had a we have an answer but i don't know that it's a great answer so when you're introducing someone who isn't as familiar with rum as a category how are you getting them to where they need to be what's your approach to bringing them in 
I was sure you were going to ask me this because you got asked this on your mailbag and I've been thinking about it and I still don't answer for you either. Um, <laughs> I love I we're all we're all just making it up as we go along. No, well, I mean, literally, like I said, the green zone is the ultimate example of fake it till you make it, right? I don't know. I mean, I even remember the discussion you had. It's like, well, do you like bourbon? And you might like Foursquare, but then they're like, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's also like... But that but that also works so many times. Like my friend Ari used to work for the importer for Foursquare and she lives in Charlottesville and Virginia and belongs to like a whiskey club there. And one time she brought like Foursquare 05 to the whiskey club. And they're like, wow, what whiskey is this? So it's like that can work, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think a lot of it is comparing, you know, okay, what do you normally like to drink, right? Do you like vodka? Then try you know, Donku Cristal or something like that, right? Or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you an agave person? You would probably love Clara or Rum Agricole. You know, there's nothing quite like, you know, Jamaican rum in yeah. any other sense. But, hmm. you know, if you like brandy, right? If you're a cognac drinker, you might, and not just a bourbon drinker, but if you're a cognac drinker, you might like Barbados rum as well, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. like an aged agricole. So I think there's ways to do it. And it's also like, oh, do you like mojitos? Guess what's in a mojito? It's rum. A lot of people have no idea. It's true, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, a lot of people either don't know or think it's, you know, vodka or, or whatever. Right. But yeah. then they think they can use crap rum in a mojito, right? That's the problem, I, I would think. I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but, like, oh, I think did. that that approach... Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a... So we, we did... A, basically, I go to rum festivals so that I can also, like, you know, to make it professional, I do a Green Zone pop-up in the city that we're doing it at. So, like, in London, it's always Trailer Happiness. And in, in the Netherlands, when I was at Whiskey Rum on Zay, it was the Ruma in Rotterdam, which is a really cool rum bar in Rotterdam. And then in Paris, this time around, it was at uh, a little bar called Maria Loca, which is a rum bar mm-hmm. run by a sort of passionate rum lover and rum distiller. Crazy they, Maria. Yeah, yeah. So his <laughs> name is actually Michael, but... Well, it's Maria Loca, so I was figuring... Yeah, I know. Well, it's weird because he lived in Brazil, and apparently Maria Loca is like some Brazilian trope. I don't know why. He's also... Ah, okay, yeah. Like empty cachaça bottles on the top of his bar. And like, So mm. my wife is half Brazilian, and I've been to Brazil twice, and obviously I also love cachaça quite a lot. And like, I saw these bottles of cachaça when I went there in April, and I'm like, where did you get these? He's like, oh, I used to live in Brazil. I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, talk about undiscovered territory for the rest of the world, but that's a different subject. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he has a little he has a little sign in Maria Loca. It says, Maria Loca is, is vodka free, but we'll happily pour you some rum. And then it says, like, hashtag, like, rum or die. Um, that's great. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. So I said I might hint at this. I am trying to open, looking for yes. a full-fledged rum bar. And my plan is to just not have vodka. It's like, if you want a vodka soda, I'm going to give you Don Q Cristal and soda. And I challenge anybody to, like, you know, give it back to me. Like, this isn't vodka. And it's like, I love Donku. I love the Sedeas family. I love Giselle. I love the whole team. I think what they're doing is awesome. Like, they're they're in my rail in a bunch of different places. But, like, Donku Cristal is fucking light, right? Yeah, right. Um, and it's like, I challenge anyone, especially with a squeeze of lime, to have a Cristal and soda and, like, not appreciate it as a vodka and soda. Yeah. So okay, so let's let's follow up on that a little bit. And I, I know you had mentioned this new rum bar venture when I was yeah. there a few months ago. So yeah. what what else can you? So you've given the perspective. It's only going to serve rum. What else can you tell us at this point? How much do you know? How yeah. much of it is still yet to be decided? Where's it going to be? All of that. It's not. It's not going to only serve rum. Like if you really want a Manhattan, <laughs> Manhattan, goddamn it. But like, <laughs> you know. 
That should be the the if it's on the menu, that could be the name. Yeah. A Manhattan, goddammit. Yeah, all right. But it's like, okay, for example, here this is I mean, this is part of the question you just asked, and but also ties back to the previous question. Like, yeah. do you like old fashions? You'd probably love a corn oil. Yeah. Like if you make it light on the falernum, which is, you know, as God intended. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just don't want to have vodka because I feel that like in the rum world, there is a valid substitute for vodka. There is not a valid substitute in the rum world for gin, right? But yeah, so it's going to be all rum cocktails, but all cocktails that were created in, you know, the Caribbean or the other tropical like cane growing and rum producing regions. So it is very much the idea is for it not to be a tiki bar. Okay. I love tiki drinks, but I also like stopped consuming sugar more or less. So tiki drinks really don't <laughs> kind of tough. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, t- actually my, one of my favorite things now is a mojito with no sugar at all. It's like, it's basically mm. mint rum Ricky. Quite good. Or, you know, if I have a tea punch, it's like, I'm convinced that Ben Jones and Ed Hamilton created the concept of cane syrup in a tea punch to sell it to bartenders in the U.S. <laughs> Nobody uses it at all. Really? like thing of actually hold on let me see if i if you can excuse me one second yeah go for it this is uh, let's hold it to the camera oh that's a little bit of sugar from marie galant yeah Yeah. so i haven't i have have not actually been to marie galant i don't know where i probably got this from paris rum fest but like you go to a cafe or a bar and you order a tea punch and they give you one of these packets and in martinique it will come from le galion Mm-hmm. And sometimes it'll be branded with St. James or Tarivier or whoever, but it's all from the Galion. Mm-hmm. And then and then they give you a spoon and some lime pieces and you do it yourself. And so I'll put in like a tiny, 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 tiny pinch of sugar. But three uh, crystals. But, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um so yeah, so it's not tiki. And the found you know, everything everywhere where they grew sugar, they also grew limes. Mm. So like you know, people are like, oh, the daiquiri was invented and, the, you know, the caipirinha was invented. It's like, no, they probably just happen naturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Rum, lime, and sugar is such an obvious combination. Those ingredients find their way to each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's there's a term in biology, I think it's called, like, convergent evolution or something. It's when, like, you know, you have two completely unrelated species and they end up evolving to look exactly the same, even though biologically they're unrelated entirely. Huh. It's hmm. like that, you know, in every tropical region where there's rum distilled, there's sugar cane around, so they make sugar, and then there's probably citrus growing, right? Yeah. So it's basically celebrating that combination. So everything is going to be, <laughs> I might be shooting myself in the foot, but everything is basically going to be rum sours, like tropical rum sours. <laughs> will, will the will the variant the variations in that be different different fruit ingredients or like what do you kind of see as being that more? I'm still trying to determine so like I said I want everything to be based on rum sugar based sweetener if not sugar and and lime and then you know where do I you know if you, there's additional things added like I guess that counts if the sweetener is like Cointreau instead of sugar does that count that, those are the kind of things I'm trying to figure out yeah you're working but, out the principles of the bar exactly. Yeah, big thing is to really like honor the you know the communities and the cultures where these drinks came from where this rum came from mm-hmm. by having drinks that were created in those places yeah. and it doesn't have to be something from 100 years ago in some mine in cuba like my friend jamal bowen from barbados is an awesome bartender down there and he has a published cocktail featuring barbados rum and falernum and a barbadian product called cola tonic clayton's cola tonic and cola bitters it's called a grind and toil you can look it up like it's on the internet and it's featured in like the clayton's pamphlet so like he created that a few years ago and like 
that's a, a very valid entry for my menu at the new place. Okay, so, so that's cool. So that was a question I had: is it's not just going to be yeah, classic cocktails? It'll have like new modern cocktails being made in in these places in the last yeah, decade. Yeah, I mean the challenge. I mean, so I've been in you know rum producing regions. Let's call it. I've been to Barbados, Jamaica, Martinique, Puerto Rico, Cuba, and Brazil, mm-hmm. and there aren't a lot. There isn't a big cocktail scene in those places. Like yeah, in Puerto Rico, sure, there's La Factoria and La Pelotona. Yeah like that but like in jamaica it's like in barbados it's like mostly hotel bars or restaurant bars mm-hmm. and there i mean jamal is doing amazing things and there's another amazing barbadian bartender named shane mclean he's doing awesome stuff too but like by and large that's not what people are drinking even in brazil like brazil is a massive very developed country and like mm-hmm. the cocktail scene is very underdeveloped in brazil interesting there is a very cool cocktail from brazil which i can share with you if you're interested yeah sure the Macunaima, and it is basically. Hey, you're gonna have to spell that for me. No. Yeah, I'll, I'll type it in the. La Macunaima. 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 Sounds like a tiki name from Hawaii. Yeah, it does. Not. It's a Tupi name from Brazil. Okay. Um, it's basically a Amburana aged cachaça daiquiri with a quarter ounce of Fernet Branca in it. Oh wow. Hate Fernet, but this drink is really good. But it's like it's from Sao Paulo, and Sao Paulo has like I don't know, ten million people of Italian descent, so it makes sense, right? Oh uh, yeah. Wait, a, a, a barman who hates Fernet? Mm. I can't stand. I also don't have piercings <laughs> or tattoos. What do you want? <laughs> Bucking all the trends. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, something like that is a valid entry point for like to be served at this bar. And that was created a few years ago at like one of the premier cocktail bars in Sao Paulo. But like, you know, in Jamaica, I don't know. Are there any like modern cocktails invented in Jamaica? I don't think so. And well, if there, if there are, are and you're listening and you know of one, yeah, write exactly. in and let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll you know, forward for, it on to Chris. I mean, hell, Zan, Zan worked in the hotel industry in yeah. Jamaica. So Zan, if you're listening, let us know. Actually, that's something I like about every single rum festival. Like literally everywhere I go, there's there's Zan. <laughs> he's, he's the he just constant. pops out somehow. Except except that he wasn't at Whiskey Live. So this year it was Mitch and Jane. They were at every event. What the hell, hmm. Zan? You're slacking. Yeah, Come on, bro. The Paris Rum Fest in April, and I'm like agricole, 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 agricole. And I turn a corner and there's Zan. I'm like, what are you doing, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> he's like, I got the I got the Worthy Park overproof. It's got cane juice in it now. Cane so juice. there we go. He had the Worthy Park Calvados cask, which was delicious. Ooh, that does sound good. The French Festival have Calvados cask and cognac cask. That'll do it, right? Yeah, there Ooh. you go. Who's so. bringing that to market first, him or Richard? <laughs> well, it's already out, so. so oh, okay, okay, that's true. Just not here. No, of course not. Yeah. Sucks. Well, I was. Talking, I heard you talking about like sites that will ship to the U.S. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the DC Rum Rebels Facebook page, I have a pinned list of all the sites I know that will ship to the US. Oh, there nice. That's a good resource. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the problem when you reach this level. Like, I've been, I'm 39. I've been drinking rum for more than, for about 20 years. And like, you reach a point where like, I I go to a store here and I have everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything. And like, there's some good stores in DC too. And like, I'm like, I there's nothing here I need. Yeah. So, you know, basically once 
I think from like UK Rumfest 2019, once that started, that kicked everything into high gear. That's another thing. Like, you know, this is an occupational risk of one of these rum festivals. Like you will <laughs> start scraping and scrounging to buy all this shit that you try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just be bleeding money by the end. <laughs> like, you know, my bar shot for two months in COVID. And what did I do in those two months? I bought lots of rum from Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and look at you now. It all worked out. Um, well, this is the other thing is that for the new bar, I now have so much fucking rum and what was at home. Now it's in storage. I mean, it's probably close to a thousand bottles. This wow. is this is really the, the the reason why you're opening a rum bar exactly. is just because you have so, so much extra yeah, rum, you yeah, have to put exactly it somewhere. No, yeah, yes and no. So I mean, I had plans for this rum bar going back <laughs> to like 2019, but like when I was packing up my apartment, I'm like, oh my god, this can't go to the new house. <laughs> so. <laughs> I think that will be the back bar of the new bar. Yeah, so the new bar instead, exactly. Basically. Yeah, I mean, that's what's cool. The Black Parrot in London, um, you know, sorry to keep jumping back around continents and shit, but like Black Parrot in London versus, say, Trailer Happiness is so different because it's basically a tasting bar. Like they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rare bottles and like lots of bottles that are not sold in the UK. Bottles are bought at auction and stuff. And it's actually like, it's a good, Black Parrot is a very good inspiration for the place I want to open hmm. because they do have some cocktails. They're like quasi original, but they definitely like pay tribute to the Caribbean. Hmm. The menu is full of gorgeous black and white photos of the Caribbean, like Jamaica and Cuba and St. Lucia and stuff That's like that. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. But it's mostly just that they've got this massive towering collection of rum. I don't know, John, if you went to Jack Rose and you were in DC. No, I didn't get a chance. Heard of it? Mm, yes, I did hear of it. I remember yeah, somebody. Yeah, there's a bar down it. the street from us that claims to have the biggest whiskey collection in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, who's got a bigger collection in the Eastern Hemisphere? Because like they're, on, they're <laughs> at like almost three thousand bottles right now. But yeah, Black Parrot is what I call the Jack Rose of rum, and like I kind of want to do that for DC. Well, someone creating a huge, massive pile of rum somewhere in the u.s is something that is music to my ears <laughs> yeah i still need to make it to smuggler's cove and to to rumba and all those places but mm. i just I, did rumba for the first time yeah i heard you were just in seattle yeah yeah it was great Good time yeah yeah no yeah. it was fabulous what's cool about you know owning your own business in the alcohol world i can go to make a trip to rumba and call it a business expense yeah there you go that's perfect and that's definitely on my list like rumba and smugglers and portland right forget the name of it but yeah so those definitely because those also like i mean i know smugglers is a tiki bar but like rumba is not a tiki bar no right it's a rum bar the rum bar and that's and that's basically what i want to open so yeah yeah and then the green zone will i guess buckle down on the middle eastern thing you're not gonna have rum with the greens i think no no the green zone will still always have rum don't worry excellent okay yeah that's that's good news well we only have one thing left to do at this point, Chris, which as a listener of the show, I'm sure you're familiar with it's the rapid fire segment of the show. Are you are you up for it? I uh, <laughs> He's opening the rum. There it goes. Take a swing first. <laughs> was that was that a little Mount Gay eclipse there? Yeah. Uh, this is probably left over from the DC's Pride Parade. I ducked into a liquor store to buy a bottle. I'm like, this seems appropriate. There you go. Uh, <laughs> a great pairing. There's, there's a uh, eclipse happening in April, total eclipse happening in April of next year. And I think the team Rumchester is planning a gathering. So I'm like, all right, I'll bring the eclipse. <laughs> I'll bring the eclipse. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you you know the drill with this. Put a generous 60 seconds on the clock. John runs through some silly, inane questions, and you do your best to answer them. All right. You All ready, right. Will? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. My, my job's easy. So <laughs> I've got 60 seconds, and go. All right, Chris. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Column pot or blend? Pot. Aged or unaged? Aged. And molasses or cane juice? Blend. Ooh, oh, what a good oh, okay. pace. What yes, a good pace that so was far. a good pace. All right. UK Rum Fest or any rum event in the USA? Definitely UK. I, I think you had answered that earlier, but I want to follow through because now I want to ask UK Rum Fest or Whiskey Live Paris. Oh, <laughs> for the novelty value, I would say Whiskey Live because my first time. Okay. That was a pain. All right. No, that's, that's fair. Your favorite person to share a bottle of rum with other than Mitch? <laughs> oh, man. That's fucking tough. Probably Zan. That's okay. a good answer. Oh, man, I should have said other than Mitch and Zan. <laughs> Golly. All right, but that's fair. That's fair. All right, here's a tough one. Chris, yeah. would you rather drink a sweetened Foursquare or an unsweetened Bacardi? Ooh. <laughs> there are decent unsweetened Bacardis. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you mentioned the new rum bar. I don't know if it has a name kicking around in your head again, but or yet. But we wanted to, you know, give it a shot maybe and see if we could gauge your reaction on some of these. So okay. I'm gonna run through some, okay? And then you just you tell me yay or nay. All right. Sure. Uh, so well, obviously you have the green zone. So to partner with that, don't you need the danger zone? Like the high, there's a highway to it, and you could just do it that way. What do you think? You know the uh, El Dorado or whatever it's called, Diamond Superior uh, High Wine used to have all kinds of warning signs on it. So maybe they're right. <laughs> but the, the, the old Bacardi 151 with like the top of like, yeah, the little cage on the top of it. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. How about rum equals DC squared? It's your it's your second one. Mm. No, no, that's. Not I, I'm going to say no for Chris on that one. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was inventive. How about the Rum Rebels Refuge? Not terrible. Maybe that's the secret, the private booking room. There you go. Okay. How about this one? Sorry, but you have to order the hummus at my other bar. <laughs> yes, I like. That one. <laughs> okay, it's a little long for a name, but we could work. Uh, Captain Adams Morgan. <laughs> Only if it's in Adam's Morgan. All right. How about, how about this one? This one of the DC Rum Rebels is named Adam, so that might get confusing. <laughs> a little confusing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about the Daiquiri Police Headquarters? Fuck uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. We got we got a couple of yeses there, John. Good good work. Excellent. Okay. I think we you know we started him off on the path. Uh, favorite dance hall reggae artist or song? Oh, it's got to be Limb by Limb by Cuddy Ranks. Oh, All right. yeah. I do a thing where like, I take every Foursquare release and apply it to a reggae song. Oh. <laughs> when Sibylith came out, it was like, shibi, 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 Foursquare around. Shibi, 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 fun. Do you, ha- do you have like an Equipoise song lined up yet? Then feed it Foursquare. Pick up their um. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Speaking of that, and the seal of disapproval t-shirt that we started with, which rum brand not named Plantation has most earned that t-shirt in your mind? Umbu. Umbu, yes. (laughs) That's time. You came up with that one really fast. That was great. Yeah, you did. (laughs) And I agree. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. This was great to learn more about UK Rumfest, Whiskey Live Paris, and everything you've got going on there in DC as well. So any yeah. anything I know we touched on the, the the new bar concept coming up, everything. Anything else to share with, with people before we let you go? Yeah. Doing a tasting flight for eight different Hamden marks is kind of a pain. Really? <laughs> I had to order new glasses. <laughs> to get them to fit. But yes, if you would like to try the uh, new Hamden 8 Marks, we will be have them as a tasting flight at the Green Zone very, very soon. That's a great idea. Yeah, that man. is a good idea. I've got to get to D.C., man. I, I've, I've never been to D.C. My sister-in-law lives there. I know all the yeah. Rum Rebels up there. The Green yeah, Zone's there. You know, what am I doing? And if you, like, let me know you're coming, like, all the really good stuff is in storage, so I'll pull it out. <laughs> okay, I will, I'll, I'll take you up on that when I finally make it up. Yeah. yeah. I think you really have, Chris, made DC a kind of a spot on the map for rum people. You know, like like we talk about with Rumba and others, you know, Smuggler's Cove. I, I think the green zone is filling a spot here on the East Coast. So I don't think well, I can I, give any much more higher praise than that. Thank you. Thank you. Like I say, like, let's wait till the actual rum bar opens and then we can <laughs> I love that you can't call the the place with the the best rum selection in DC the actual rum bar, right? It's not. It's not a rum bar. I mean, like, I joke that it is, but, like, it's not. Like, the majority of the drinks we sell are not rum. I mean, that vodka drink I told you outsells every other drink 10 to 1. Oh, yeah. Not like all the others times 10, but, like, right, 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 right. 10 to 1. Well, we'll bring them around slowly. Yeah, you know, start making. (laughs) stop all right well thanks for hanging out chris this was great chris i'll talk to you soon all right everyone thanks so much for listening to another episode of the rum cast and hey if if you you know we talked about our upcoming favorite rums of the year segment we'd love to hear about some of your favorite rums of the year what what have you had that really stood out to you it can be something new it can be something that had been around for a while and you just hadn't got to yet but send us an email host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com or also if you were able to get over to UK Rum Fest or any of those other festivals mentioned in Europe and want to share your what stood out to you, we'd love to hear that as well. So you can always send us an email, host at rumcast.com or reach out to us via social media. John, where can they find us there? Yep, Facebook at the Rumcast, Instagram at the Rumcast, and even X slash Twitter. Uh, we're still hanging around and getting new followers every so often. So um, a- any one of those and DMs work or comments, you can always leave a-, a comment on there. It's nice because comments, you know, other people get to see those. So then there's a little bit of interplay. So if you're looking for that kind of uh, interaction, that's great. And if not, you just want to tell us about your experience, definitely slide into the DMs, as they say. And we'll, we'll talk about that for sure. I- I'm... I'm Pleased, Will, that we're we're working towards the holidays, but we're also working towards episode 100. So maybe That's there'll be right. some, some interesting things coming. We're going to give more information about that and, and some of our future plans with it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're slowly plotting towards it. So Spilling uh, a few yeah. beans of our own here. Yeah. That's right. This is episode 95, so only five more to get to 100, which is a, a fun, nice, neat milestone. So looking Round forward to number. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and also, just to add, if, if you would like even more Rumcast, as always, you can find us on 
Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Rumcast. We're doing bonus episodes. I mean, if you factor in the bonus episodes, Sean, technically oh, we're well beyond 100 at this point. Yeah, but, but those don't um, get a number, Will. <laughs> yeah, they don't, don't get, get a number. We, we love them just as much, but they don't get an official number because they are exclusive to the Patreon community, That's um, right. which you can join at patreon.com slash the Rumcast. Bonus episodes, happy hours, all kinds of little things we do over there that's a great time and a great growing community so we'd love to see you there but if not we will hear from you i was gonna say we'll hear from you it's not really a conversation but you will be listening to us and we will feel the spirit of you listening to us on the next episode now it feels like they have to write in or you know because we have to hear from you also you know make I, that, sure you that's why we love when people when people write in it's great it establishes the connection but yes even if you've never written in and all you do is listen we we feel it we feel we it in our bones you. and we appreciate yes. it all right john until next time cheers <laughs>